slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Price. Another spectacular stop. Broussard tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, welcome everybody to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. So glad you could join us today as we talk all things New York Islanders. Lots to discuss. The Islanders hosting the Buffalo Sabres for the first of three straight games tonight. We'll have a full preview of that. We will talk about an important anniversary for the New York Islanders and uh, an Islanders player who really doesn't get as much appreciation as he deserves, but I'm going to discuss why this player is so very important to this Islanders team and why he is a big part of the club's success. We've also got our Islanders' birthday of the day and a lot more coming up. If there's something Islanders-related on your mind, if you have a question, a comment, a topic you'd like us to discuss, feel free to send us an email. The email address for the show, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your name and tell us where you're from, we are happy to mention you on the air when we talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Isles, and you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Ice Wars NYRVSNYI. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest news, notes, and happenings concerning your New York Islanders, and I also will be tweeting during almost every Islanders game. So, here we are. We are in March now, uh, March 4th to be exact, and yesterday was actually an important anniversary for the Islanders. Uh, the Islanders playing their last game at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. It was not a pretty game. They lost to the Montreal Canadiens, and believe it or not, in that game, uh, you had Johnny Boychuk getting injured, that gruesome eye injury uh, taking place in that game, which turned out to be the last regular season game of Johnny Boychuk's NHL career. He did manage to appear in a couple of playoff games for the Isles, but realistically, that game more or less ended Johnny Boychuk's career for all intents and purposes, and uh, that was sad. But, you know, here's the thing. Uh, the arena itself is a very nice arena. It's new, it's modern, uh, it's got all the amenities you could hope for, but it really wasn't built for hockey. You had the obstructed view seats on one side behind one goal that really made the capacity even less than what it really uh, officially was, and, you know, I never really cared that the scoreboard was off-center, to me, the biggest issue about Barclays was it wasn't built for hockey, number one. 
And number two, for most people coming from Long Island, it was just difficult to get there. Unless you worked in the city and were making that, you know, taking the subway or the LIRR from Manhattan to Brooklyn, uh, getting there from Long Island, especially coming back at night when you have to change trains at Jamaica, could take you a couple of hours to, to get back from the game. And that, to me, was a bigger issue than even those, you know, kind of unique uh, difficulties with, you know, where the scoreboard was located and the obstructed view seats, etc. cetera. Uh, but here's what Brooklyn did, and it was vital. If there was no Barclays Center, the New York Islanders would no longer be the New York Islanders. Before the renovation, clearly the National Coliseum was, it was time. It was past time to replace the old barn as far as it being a major league NHL quality facility in the 20-teens. I mean, realistically, Nassau County could have, would have, should have replaced the Coliseum sometime in the 90s, uh, maybe the late 90s, early 2000s at the latest. But, and I don't want to get into a whole political drama, but there are a multitude of reasons why it never happened. But at the end of the day, Islander fans have to understand that Charles Wong's decision to move the team to Brooklyn was an excellent move in that it kept the team in the New York metropolitan area. And it kind of, in essence, proved that the Islanders really needed their own home, a new home. And we're getting that now with the UBS arena, which uh, if we continue to be on schedule, will open for the new season. And that, to me, is a very definite plus. I'm looking forward to that. And also pleased that we will be able to have some fans in attendance later this month at Islander Games, and hopefully that number will just grow and continue to grow as far as 10% capacity. Maybe we'll get up to 20 or 25 and then 50 uh, as the season progresses. It really would be a shame to have the last season or the last games at the Nassau Coliseum to have no fans when one of the, well, the two best things <clears throat> about the Coliseum once you got there were the noise that really, you know, the way the roof was built, it sort of kept the noise in, and the sight lines. And if, obviously, there are no fans in the stands, nobody can enjoy the sight lines. So, a fitting thing that there will be fans soon at the Coliseum. And it was nice to see a few Islander fans at the game on uh, Tuesday night in Newark. And, you know, finally... First time this season, first time in almost a year that you had fans at a New York Islanders game, and that was at least encouraging to see. Hopefully we can all start getting back to normal in a safe and gradual manner, but uh, yeah, and, and as for Johnny Boychuk, that injury was terrible to see. It was gruesome, and we wish Johnny Boychuk, who was a very good New York Islander for you know, five, six seasons that he was here, a good teammate, good guy, good in the community, and a darn good defenseman. Uh, we wish him all the best as he heads uh, into the next stage of his life after hockey. 
right, we're going to talk about an Islanders player who is underrated but really deserves a lot of credit for the team's success. We'll preview tonight's game at the Coliseum against Buffalo and have our Islanders birthday of the day. All that and more still to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Islanders fans, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football season might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. March Madness just around the corner, and of course you may want to take your knowledge of the Islanders and the National Hockey League and use it to make a few extra dollars on the side. BetOnline even covers things like awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine can be found on their website. And BetOnline also has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Islander fans, today on the Locked On Today podcast, Harden heads back to Houston with his new team. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with Locked On Today. It's the podcast that gives you all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. All right, now, you look at the statistics, and, you know, look, let's face it. The old saying is that offense sells tickets, but defense wins championships. And I want to talk about two specific Islanders players right now uh, who I think, you know, they're not going to put up a lot of points, but boy, oh boy, are they difference makers. And that's the top defense pairing of Ryan Pulak and Adam Pellick. And in 22 games this year, they both played all 22. They have between them a grand total of one goal. One goal, that one scored by Pellick. He has five points in 22 games. Pulak has eight assists in 22 games. No goals. And yet, you can't deny the importance that these two players have in the Islanders' scheme of things and in their lineup. At the end of the day, these guys play a lot of minutes, and when you're an Islanders team that ends up winning a lot of games, two to one, three to two, one to nothing, you rely on that top defensive pairing to really help shut down the opposition's top players, and you cannot win games that way if you and you need anchors on that defense core. And that top pairing of Pulak and Pellick really gets the job done for the Islanders. And I think uh, it speaks, when you look at the statistics, uh, right now, for example, Ryan Pulak, we said eight assists. He is a plus seven, and he is averaging 22 minutes and 40 seconds a game of ice time. He is out there against the opposing team's top offensive players. And every week, or every game, excuse me, he is there, along with Pellick, to help shut 
them down. And if those guys have a bad night, quite honestly, you can bet your bottom dollar that the Islanders are not going to have a good night. It just isn't in the cards because they don't have the ability on most nights to win 6-4 hockey games. Uh, and, and look, at, at the end of the day, you rely on that top pair uh, on defense. Alex statistics, he is a plus four in 22 games, and he is averaging a little over 21 minutes a game uh, right now for the Islanders, right? Interestingly enough, you know, last year, it's amazing how consistent uh, Barry Trotz is with this top defensive pairing. But at the end of the day, the the top pairing of Pelic and Pulak, first of all, they work extremely well together. They have very good chemistry. And <clears throat> realistically, the fact that they are so good at what they do allows guys like Anders Lee and and Matthew Barzal to Brock Nelson to do the things offensively that they are able to do. You don't have that kind of confidence that, you know, a guy like Barzal, for example, knows that if he skates with the puck aggressively, stick handles, tries to fake out a few guys, uses his speed, he knows that if that happens, Pelic and Pulak are going to be back there to make sure that there's no odd man rush the other way if he loses the puck, to make sure that if there's a mistake made, it's going to be covered. And that gives a guy like Barzal confidence that he can make plays or take chances uh, with the puck occasionally. And, you know, those two guys are your anchors on defense. And that is even more true this year because there isn't as much depth on defense as there was a year ago with Devon Taves and Johnny Boychuk no longer available. And <clears throat> you look at the Islanders last year. Before Adam Pellick got hurt, they were, you know, near the top of the division standings. They were battling with Washington for, you know, possibly for first place, more realistically for second place in the division. But after he got hurt, the Islanders were barely a 500 hockey team the rest of the way. And that made a huge, huge difference for the team. And the one benefit that, or one of the benefits that the Islanders had by the shutdown and then the resumption of play in the bubble was that it allowed Adam Pellick to be healthy again when play resumed, and again, the Islanders, no way they go all the way to the conference finals last season in that bubble without a healthy Adam Pellick and the strong play of Pellick and Pulak. So, uh, these guys, not going to make a lot of headlines if you're not an Islanders fan or you're <clears throat> not in the East Division this year where you're going to see them a lot. You may not even know who they are. And yet they are vital pieces to the success of the New York Islanders. And uh, definitely Islander fans who watch them game in and game out appreciate them. 
When we come back, we'll have our Islanders' birthday of the day. We'll take a look at tonight's game against the Sabres at the Coliseum and more. Stay with us on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Islander fans, today's episode is also brought to you by your friends at rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the counterperson orders the parts on his or her computer and chooses only the parts, the brands that his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they are reliably low. rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com now and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, and they've got everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks, and they'll deliver it directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, everything your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Islander fans, get the upper hand in your fantasy league with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Fantasy hockey expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long Dynasty and DFS leagues, breaking down all the stats and information to keep you ahead of the competition. Subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Birthday of the day, and we've got a, a special one today. Uh, a guy who really went through a lot in his NHL career, uh, and he's about to turn 44 years old uh, on Friday. And I am, of course, talking about former Islanders defenseman Brian Berard. Berard drafted by the Ottawa Senators with the first overall pick back in 1995, but never played for the Senators and ended up being traded in a three-way deal with the Islanders, Maple Leafs, and Senators in a trade that involved Wade Redden, Martin Straka, Kirk Muller, Ken Belanger, Don Beaupre, and Damian Rhodes, in addition to Berard. And, you know, Berard, an American uh, native of Woonsocket, Rhode Island, I love that name, uh, made his Islanders an NHL debut during the 96-97 season and ended up with winning the Calder Trophy as the uh, as a rookie defenseman, eight goals, 48 points, and, uh, you know, really became an important part of the Islanders as an offensive defenseman. Unfortunately, uh, after leaving the Islanders, he ended up suffering a very serious eye injury. Uh, people didn't think he would play again. He managed to stage a comeback, actually had a second tour of duty with the Islanders in 2007-2008, where he was mostly a power play specialist, and uh, that was actually the last stop on his NHL career. He played in Toronto briefly with the Rangers, Bruins, Blackhawks, Blue Jackets, 
and then his second stint with the Islanders closed out his career. Interesting uh, career for Berard, to say the least, and he actually, uh, one of the nicer guys you want to speak to in the locker room, and I had the chance to interview him, and uh, you just have to admire what he was able to overcome to return to the ice. We're going to go back and look at one of his better games with the Isles, October 29th, 1997, at the Molson Center in Montreal. Islanders and Canadiens in net for the Islanders. Eric Fischel, while Jocelyn Tebow is the goalie for the Habs, and the Islanders drew first blood in the first period with Valerie Bore in the box. Travis Green, a power play goal, his third from Robert Reichel, and our Islanders' birthday of the day, Brian Burrard. The Habs tied it later in the first period on a goal by Mark Recchi, Saku Koivu, and Shane Corson with the assist. In the second period, the Islanders took control. Ziggy Palfi, his sixth from Brian McCabe and Brian Burrard. That made it 2-1 Islanders. Then Brian Smolinski, his second from Marius Tchaikovsky and Scott Lachance, made it 3-1 Islanders. And then on the power play with Benoit Brunet in the box, Berard, his sixth on the power play from Palfi to make it 5-1 Islanders early in the third. Mark Recchi got his seventh of the season, second of the game to close out the scoring, but the Islanders skated away with a 5-2 victory for Eric Fischo playing back in Quebec. Uh, 21 saves to earn the win for Brian Berard, a goal and two assists in this one, and uh, a very strong performance, that three-point effort leading the Islanders in scoring in this one. And uh, by the way, if you're interested, Brian Berard now has a, a book out about his career and his comeback. It is called Relentless, and it's by Brian Berard. And uh, definitely Islander fans should take a look at it and check it out. So uh, we wish a very happy and healthy birthday a day early to Brian Berard. As for the Islanders tonight, uh, the first of three straight games against the Buffalo Sabres. And the Sabres are a team that's struggling to score right now, uh, even more so than the Islanders. No team has scored fewer goals in the NHL this season. They are in last place right now in the East with 15 points in 20 games. And the Islanders now play them three games in a row, all of them at the Nassau Coliseum. This is an opportunity for the Islanders to pick up some points here if they are able to do it. The one thing you have to worry about more than anything with the Sabres, though, is their power play. They are now third in the NHL with a 30.6% success rate with the extra attacker and that does indeed make them dangerous. So the PK will be important for the Islanders in this matchup. Jack Eichel, still the subject of trade rumors, but still the top-line center for Buffalo with Victor Olofsson and Sam Reinhardt on his wings. The second line is Taylor Hall and Kyle Oposo on either side of Eric Stahl. Cody Eakin centers the third line, Tobias Reeder, and Dylan Cousins are on his wings, and then Curtis Lazar centers Jeff Skinner and Riley Sheehan on the fourth line. Skinner 
finally back in the lineup after being a healthy scratch for the first time in his career. Rasmus Dahlin and Rasmus Ritzelainen are the top defense pairing. Brandon Montour and Henri Jokarouge, who, oh, that's a tough name, uh, are the second pairing. And Jacob Bryson and Colin Miller are the third defensive unit, while the goalies are Carter Hutton and Jonas Johansson. And um, right now, injuries, you know, still affecting this team. Uh, Zemgis Girgensen's out, Jake McCabe out, but after missing two weeks because of uh, COVID-related issues, at least the Sabres don't have a lot of players still on that COVID list. Rangers beat Buffalo 3-2 in their last meeting, and they are on a losing streak, struggling mighty, mightily right now. Islanders need to take advantage. They've got to be aware of that power play. Got to try to shut it down. And Olafson, Reinhardt, those are the two big guys with the power play goals. Eichel is sort of their quarterback of the power play. He has eight power play assists. Rasmus Dahlin has seven. This is a team that, with the extra attacker, can be very dangerous. The goaltending situation is a little bit iffy right now. And... The Islanders need to take advantage. I expect out of these three games that we'll probably see Simeon Varlamov for two of them and we'll probably see uh, Ilya Sorokin for at least one. But again, no official announcement. But as soon as we know something, we will tweet it out to you. Big opportunity for the Islanders. We'll be back tomorrow to analyze this game, to discuss what happened and uh, give you a full breakdown. Plus, we'll preview the two games against Buffalo over the weekend as well. All that and more tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. And of course, let's go Islanders.